Welcome to Heart of the Enneagram. I'm Chris Copeland. And I'm Sandra Smith. And we invite you to take a courageous and loving look at what is. In this episode, we explore type one. The challenge for me will always be to try to see the good thing or the thing I can celebrate in a situation before I automatically go to, you know, well, that's wrong. Hi, Sandra. It's good to be with you again in Asheville. Yeah, it's good to be with you, too. Uh, I'm excited that uh, we get to spend some time with Joyce Holiday today as we uh, learn some about Type 1. Yeah, me too. I'm excited. So as we begin, uh, I want to invite our listeners to open all three of our brains uh, as we can, so that we can have a greater capacity to take in this information, uh, to be present with what we're hearing and learning today. So invite you to come into a, a place of grounded body. Uh, to open your heart and to come with a curious mind. And I want to invite uh, all the type ones, those of us who identify as type one and those of us who have an inner type one, which is all of us in us, to, uh, to listen in. So let's take a deep breath. To share some information about this style, this type one style, let me just mention a few things. The gifts of people who lead with this type are many. Um, these are people of um, ethical standards. They do things right. They want to be good. Um, I call them the diplomats of the Enneagram. They know how to say just the right thing at the right time. And best practice is important to these folks, so they lead by example. The focus of attention for ones is on disorder or what's not quite right. And so there's a, a great need to improve things. So the blind spot for this type is in what's working well, what doesn't need to be improved, so that I can relax and accept simply what is. The vice of type one is anger. And often, one, often ones will say, you know, I'm not really angry, I'm just kind of impatient, sometimes resentful, because it just doesn't feel quite right to be angry. And so there can be a lot of energy or tension in the, the jaw or the neck or shoulders. It's a type that suppresses anger. It's a body type. So anger is the primary emotional issue, with eights expressing, nines to nine, and ones suppressing. So like most body types, there's a great avoidance of being vulnerable. And for type one, that vulnerability comes out in being wrong, making a mistake. For this type, a mistake can feel like death, so it's avoided at all cost. Sometimes they can be overly cautious in beginning because of that fear of going down the wrong path at the beginning. So they're very thoughtful, um, thorough, detailed-oriented people. And we call on them a lot because they do things right. To help us to uh, learn more about the Type 1 on the Enneagram, we are grateful to welcome Joyce Holiday with us today. Uh, Joyce uh, lives gratefully with her partner and her two dogs on a mountain ridge in western North Carolina. 
above a garden and next to hiking trails. Uh, she's a founding co-pastor of Circle of Mercy, which is an ecumenical faith community here in Asheville. The author of several nonfiction books, Joyce is currently at work on a novel based on her mother's journey with Alzheimer's disease. Her life is greatly enriched by her connections with undocumented women who are both helping her to improve her Spanish and teaching her about hope and resilience. In all things, Joyce says she faces her number one tendencies toward perfection and judgmentalism and is thankful for the mellowing that comes with age. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> it's right. Amen. That's right. And, uh, and Joyce, I want to welcome you. And Joyce and I have known each other for a number of years, having gone to uh, seminary together mm-hmm. back in the mid-90s, I guess. Yes. Right? 20 years ago. Early 90s. Early 90s. Yes, yeah. that's right. Yeah. So, yeah, great. well, thank you. Good yeah. to be with you yeah. both. Glad you're Sandra here, Sandra and I have known each other for a long time, too. So yeah. it's great to be with both of you. Yeah, thank, thank you. you. Yeah. So I want to read just an excerpt from Mary Oliver's poem, Wild Geese, and see what resonates with you in this piece. You don't have to be good. You do not have to walk on your knees for a hundred miles through the desert repenting. You only have to let the soft animal of your body love what it loves. Well, I don't think it's a coincidence that I have had a three-foot by three-foot print of that Mary Oliver poem. I got a big, the biggest poster of it I could find. Wow. Uh, And it's beautiful because it has some you know, images of geese on it as well. Mm. And I've had that hanging on my wall for about 22 years, I would say, at this point. Um, and I think that I, it's, it's at the bottom of my steps now, so when I come downstairs every morning, I have to look at it. Mm. And for me, it's a good reminder, especially that first sentence, you do not have to be good. Mm-hmm. Because I think I have spent... A lot of the energy of my life believing that I have to be good. Mm. Uh, And in this later part of my life, um, I realized that I'm probably always going to want to choose to be good because that's part of who I am. But that's very different from the kind of ought to, have to's that I think I have lived with for a lot of my life. Yes, you know, ones tend to do the ought-tos rather than the want-tos and mm-hmm. tamp down what they want. There's a, a mental uh, image or metaphor that often live, resides in ones, which is I'm the responsible adult. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. How are, how are the want-tos going these days? <laughs> you know, the want-tos are going better these days than they have at any other time in my life. Mm-hmm. Great. Uh, I think that I have finally found a balance in my life so that I'm not just operating out of what I feel I need to change in the world or in myself. Mm. Uh, But I'm taking much more time. As uh, Chris mentioned, I live next to uh, hiking trails and I walk them every morning. Mm. And that grounds me in a very different place uh, than I used to ground myself in other contexts that I lived in. And so... Yoga and prayer and meditation have become much more important to me in this stage of my life. And I am still doing the change the world work (laughs) because that's just part of who I am, deeply part part of who I am. And so I'm very involved in the sanctuary movement for undocumented 
uh, people here in Western North Carolina and trying to be an advocate and set up some protections for people who are threatened with deportation. But there's also a really celebrative side of that for me, and, and that's kind of a change for me that I'm not just looking at the, what do I have to do to protect people or change the laws or mm. change the whole world, which I tend to take <laughs> on myself. But I'm hanging out a lot with undocumented women, and as, as I put in the introduction about, they're teaching about hope and resilience. I think I would also say, they're teaching me about celebration. Mm. We have a lot of fiestas. We just celebrated Three Kings Day with pinata and king cake, and um, we have uh, we get together every week, and a meal and a potluck are part of that. And so, it is very good for me to remember. You know, this is one of the things that's very hard for ones is to just play and relax and celebrate. Right. And so, I have much more of that in my life right now. And um, I worked as a pastor for many years, and there were certainly blessings and gifts in that, but um, at heart, what I, my real pa vocational passion is writing. Mm. And so some of the pastoring was in the ought to category. Mm -hmm. um, and as it turned out, people's pastoral crises weren't well-timed to my writing schedule. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine that. Imagine that. <laughs> so now I'm really claiming that what I want to do for these last years of my life mostly is to write. And so mm -hmm. the balance of having that creative part of my life with the writing, living in a space that is physically nurturing my soul, being among people who are living on the margins, which mm -hmm. has always been a part of my calling, um, creating a home mm -hmm. with a partner and the dogs mm -hmm. in, in that space, you know, all of, it just feels like probably for the first time ever in my life, I have a good sense of balance. Sounds like the undocumented women are almost ministers teaching you Absolutely. or guiding you into play. Absolutely, yes. Yeah. I love your talk about coming more to a place of balance and celebration as part of what you're living into. I also want to um, uh, <laughs> to talk some about what are some of the challenges in terms of the type one structure and others. What are some of the automatic behaviors and patterns that you have found yourself in over life? And I'm sure they still show up every once in a while, right? No, <laughs> totally over all that. Can you like talk? maybe this morning on the drive here, for example. Yeah, um, give us an example. Sure. Well, so this actually is, this is the probably the best gauge that I have of how I'm doing, how well integrated I am. That is, I drive to Asheville a few times a week. And if on that drive, I notice the beauty of the sun and or the clouds or the trees or whatever beautiful thing happens to be there, I'm doing pretty well. Hmm. If what I pay attention to and if what's you know going through my mind is, why did that guy, why is that guy in the left-hand lane driving 10 miles below the speed limit? Or mm -hmm. why didn't that woman put on her signal to indicate that she was turning or how could that person possibly have that bumper sticker on their truck <laughs> um uh, it that's where i feel it most of all mm. but you know that 
it's uh, comes up in other places mm -hmm. as well. I mean, certainly, you know, I, I lived for 21 years by myself before marrying my partner, and um, I have some pretty clear ideas about how the towels should be hung up right. and how the dishwasher <laughs> should be loaded and what's the right way to do things. Mm -hmm. And those are the small things, but, you know, it can come out in bigger things, too. So the challenge for me is to... Um, one of the challenges is to recognize that there is not one right way there to do things. Yes. I'm learning to be more flexible. I grew up in a, uh, my ancestry is German on one side, and I love being on time. That feels to me like the right thing to do. Mm -hmm. And I'm sharing my life with someone for whom that's just not quite as important. So, you know, there are those kinds of things. I'm learning to be more flexible and... Um, Learning to have more of a sense of humor. Mm, uh, I think great. that's like absolutely critical for ones to, um, instead of going to the place of being angry at something that happened, to kind of see the humor in how we are different and how we're trying to make our way together mm -hmm. out of the different ways that we operate. What about, are you able to laugh at yourself? Does that, do you turn that inward some? Or you yeah, I mean, of... it's a little harder for me to laugh at myself. Yeah. But, um, Yes, yes. I'm certainly having reflected back to me some of the absurdity of the things that felt like they were absolutely critical to me in right. terms of how they need to be ordered. Um, mm. So, yes, I am getting better at laughing at myself, but it's not quite yeah. as easy. Well, you remind me of two things related to type one, Joyce. First, it's almost like joy is a shift of attention away. Do I look mm -hmm. at the clouds? or the mm -hmm. bumper sticker that I disagree with. Mm -hmm. Simply a shift of attention. And the other is, we all come certainly and have uh, expectations of how some things should be. And to know that expectations, if, they're, if they aren't named especially, become these unrealized resentments, mm -hmm. uh, which is the vice of one. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So thank you for bringing those forward. Well, and I certainly resonate with what you said about... Um, about anger, because mm. I, I think for a long time I resisted believing that I was a one because I'm not an angry person, mm -hmm. you know. Mm -hmm. But uh, I think the reality of that, I mean, I think that has a lot to do with how I was raised, and particularly as a female in this culture, you just, anger is just wrong. Right. Um, and so, yeah, it does manifest itself more as resentment. But, mm -hmm. you know, I think I ultimately began to realize that Underneath that, yeah, there is a lot of anger that the world isn't the way mm. it should be. And I'm really feeling it big time, <laughs> you know, in the past year. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and that really comes out of seeing the suffering of people I'm close to who mm -hmm. live in great fear that they're going to be separated right. from their families. And so I can choose to just be angry at the people who I see as the perpetrators behind the policies or... I can choose out of my sense of compassion toward those women and their families and the suffering that they endure to try to bring some positive change. Mm -hmm. And I think that, that that's a shift that's happening uh, more in this part of my life that I would say earlier on, I was operating much more out of the angry, confrontational, this is wrong, the people who do it are wrong, right. they need to do the right thing, we need to do the right mm -hmm. thing. And, mm -hmm. and much more out of 
what can we build up instead of tearing down mm -hmm. what we don't like about what's wrong? You know, what mm -hmm. can we build up together that does take us in a different direction? I mean, I, I still want to change things. I'm, you know, that's yes. that's never going to change. Yes. But um, the way that I would go about it now is different from how I would have done it when, say, I was in my 20s or 30s. Wow, it's like the shift from righteous indignation to compassionate participation. Mm -hmm. That's beautiful, Joyce. Mm -hmm. So in your, um, your current role, so as a partner, as a writer, and in, in your work, all the in relationships, um, what are some of the gifts of type one? How do those show? You've named some of those in terms of that that um, passion toward justice and toward making things a better place. Um, how do those show up? How do those, some of the hmm. gifts of the type one show up? Well, kind of one of the most obvious places is vocationally. I'm a very good editor. Uh, yeah. I am really good at looking for the details. And um, in addition to my own writing, I work with several other authors to help them uh, tell their stories through books. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, in a way to perfect them, which is, you know, part of the number one thing is right. to, um, and I wouldn't claim that any of them are at perfection, but uh, I do think that I have a gift for taking raw material and working on the details and, um, you know, polishing it to a different place. Yeah, um, it's a tremendous gift. And I think uh, I think that's true in my writing as well. Um, I, I pay a lot of attention to detail, so my, writing tends to be chock full of adjectives because I pay a lot of attention to what I'm seeing around me and I think I think that's a gift. Mm -hmm. um, I, I do feel that, um, well, I wish we had a whole lot more integrity in the world mm. and so to choose as best as I can to live an ethical life and live with integrity and for me, in in this society where there is this, such a huge division between the wealthy and those on the margins, right. that means trying to live simply and justly. And you know, I feel like there's always more that I can learn about that. But but I do feel that um, that is a gift as well to mm -hmm. sort of pull myself away from the consumerism track and the the narcissism of our culture and, you know, all the things that I would like to see be different. I'm trying to do that in my own life right. as well. Right. I have a very, pretty much a clear sense at this stage of my life of when my heart is being softened. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm toward the thing that might make me angry, but how I could approach it differently if I had a softened heart. Mm. So, um, I mean, I certainly feel things in my gut, and there are gut-wrenching things that um, I would like to change, but I think I'm becoming more of a heart person yeah. in my older age. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, so. you know, you always probably, Joyce, have been the the gut is more of a it's where the certainty comes from this is really wrong mm -hmm. you know yeah, it's that's, that's true that's still the gut feeling about gut it sure. has a yeah. certainty to it that makes sense and it yeah. comes very quickly and we're either really right or really wrong <laughs> yeah yeah so we always have to ask questions around this this gut instinct yeah mm -hmm. that's a good way to look at it yeah. yeah it sounds like it sounds like as the softening heart is an indicator of um 
it's a sh- little bit of a shift from that. Mm-hmm. It is, yes. Yeah. Lovely. Yeah. So um, at this point in your life, Joyce, what would you uh, name as one of your greatest invitations to grow as you think about mm-hmm. these pa- habits and patterns? Mm-hmm. Well, I think it's really the same invitation that I've had my whole life, which is to... Uh, live in the place, to to use that energy toward wanting to see things be right, quote, uh, um, toward good, but not in a rigid, judgmental kind of way. Mm. You know, judgmentalism has been my uh, struggle for, I mean, I didn't recognize it for a long time, but when I look (laughs) back on my life, Mm -hmm. uh, my, the struggle, the, the challenge for me will always be to try to see the good thing or the thing I can celebrate in a situation before I automatically go to, you know, well, that's wrong mm. or, you know, that, what that person said or how they look or what, the, you know, whatever it is, my, my kind of, or how they live. I, I don't make that many judgments on how people look, but I do make judgments <laughs> on how people um, choose to live and whether I think that's ethical or, mm. you know, whatever. So, um, I think that will always be the challenge mm-hmm. of, of how not to go to immediately to that place of judgment uh, or assume that there is only one right way to do something. Mm-hmm. And I can, I can go through a lot of circular stuff with myself around, you know, making a judgment and then catching myself making it and then trying to back up a little bit, but then reinforcing it with, well, the world would be a better place if more people lived the way I do, and if they didn't do this thing or act that way. or So I need to catch myself in that cycle, because sometimes even when I'm aware of it, mm. it, it becomes something I can acknowledge. But instead of letting it go, I'll, I will just reinforce mm. it. So. And, and judgment holds hands with anger. So they, they're not separate. So judgment is really an indication that I'm angry that things aren't what they should be. Mm-hmm. So it's a really good indicator that, okay, where's, you know, what's the anger about and can I just feel it without an object and mm-hmm. allow it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, acknowledge it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, in the material, I don't know if you find this to be true, Joyce, but we often hear from ones that anger can be based on self-deprivation. There was a want to mm. that got ignored, mm. and there can be some anger about that. Mm. So there's always this, this suggestion to go and do an internal rewind about perhaps something you wanted that you deprived yourself mm-hmm. from having, mm-hmm. and engage that and see if the anger dissipates, if that makes sense. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I, would, I definitely resonate with mm-hmm. that. Yeah. yeah. Joyce, what, what supports you uh, when to catch yourself? You talked about catching yourself, you know, before you, well, even in the midst of it, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, what, what helps that? What helps support you to do that, to not go just to that place of judgmentalism, but more compassion, for example, mm-hmm. or humor or... The softer yeah. heart you yeah. spoke of. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, certainly it helps to be um, living with Bill, who is good at calling me on it um mm-hmm. he's he's got a, a good dose i mean i wouldn't be with him if he didn't have a good dose of wanting to change the world too and <laughs> right. see what's wrong with it right. um 
though I'm pretty sure that he's a, a two, which is, I think, what my wing, you know, my stronger wing is. Um, so he comes at it from a more automatically more compassionate, helping, mm. you know, kind of uh, stance. And so that's helpful for me. Mm -hmm. There's, and, and, you know, sometimes we can feed each other in our judgment, but often he'll call me on my judgment. So that's a good thing. That's great. Um, yeah, and I'm part of a faith community that does the same thing. I mean, it has, you know, it, it's kind of interesting to me. I was, when I was thinking about these questions in the interview and looking back over my life that when I chose to live in Sojourner's community, it is a very much a number one culture. Yep. And in a lot of ways, I think Circle of Mercy, which is the faith community that I helped to found and that I'm still very much a part of now, is a number one culture. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think that it's good to hang out with other people who want to change the world and feel angry the way things are. But we also have a prayerful covenant with one another to be accountable on when that's not helpful, mm -hmm. when, it's, when it can be more destructive, mm -hmm. and to remind ourselves to stay grounded, be prayerful, and to celebrate. You know, I just, I, I need that. Um, mm -hmm. You know, we do contra dances and have potlucks, and you know, the stuff that you do to just remind yourself that there's more to life than being angry. And I'm someone who enjoys solitude a lot and spends, had spent a lot of my life in solitude. Um, so I think it's very helpful for me to not allow myself to get into an isolated place mm -hmm. where I'm more likely to go to the judgment and to mm -hmm. be really surrounded by a community of people who can remind me of play and celebration and also hold me accountable when I go to the place of judgment. One of the things that I love about the Mary Oliver po poem, this is not in the part that you read, but mm -hmm. it, it ends with, the world is calling with his imagination to you like the wild geese, harsh and exciting, reminding you over and over of your place in the family of things. Yes. And I think when I first put the poster up there, it was really the you do not have to be good that I needed to see. I think more recently I need to be reminded that I have this place in the world, but I don't have to earn it. Mm, you know, yeah. I don't have to be good in any particular way to get there it's just it's you know it's the grace of God it's the having a space in the world where I belong as we all have a space right. in the world accepting, where we belong yeah, yeah. accepting yeah. that in the land I know you take your hikes and garden and you're out there in the mountains there's a natural healing that occurs in that way and a sense of belonging yeah. when we get with the, the ground yeah mm -hmm. very much so yeah I, we have only had a garden. We only had a garden for the first time last summer, and you know, I was one of these p people who always wanted to be a gardener because I knew other people liked it. But, you know, <laughs> I just never felt all that drawn to it, and I'm amazed at how healing that is. Because, you know, I can stick the seed or the bulb or whatever in the ground, and it takes a bit of tending to make sure it has water and you know the things that plants need, but it's really completely out of my hands mm. if it's gonna grow and produce fruit. Mm -hmm. And 
I think for ones, that's that is a great thing to realize that it's it's not really up to me beyond mm. the minimal sort of perfect <laughs> stuff. Perfect. Landis yeah. teacher. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Joyce. Mm -hmm. It's been great having you with us and learning from you and hearing your journey. Thank you. Yeah, well, thank thanks, you. Thanks for this time, Joyce. Yeah, That's thank wonderful. you. I've enjoyed it. Good. So we have some questions for the deeper dive for the little one in all of us, as well as those of you in our listening community who may be a one. The vice of type one is anger or resentment and usually arises when, when ones push aside the want tos so that they can be responsible. When do you engage the ought tos rather than your want tos? When is play and relaxing most acceptable to you? Least acceptable. Why? And who are you aside from one who improves? So Sandra, with this episode, we are concluding our exploration of the basic aspects of the nine personality styles of the Enneagram. And I'm excited for all that we've been able to do in these, these episodes as we've met with some amazing folks and heard some incredible stories. We have, and these uh, podcasts, these episodes have given us a great foundation as we looked at the three centers and the three types in each center to move forward and explore the spiritual dimensions of each of the nine types. And that's what we'll be doing next. So we have, we'll talk with nine new folks who will talk about the way the Enneagram has provided gifts and some challenges to their spiritual growth. And uh, again, amazing stories that we will encounter as we uh, explore that. Yeah. So we look forward to sharing those with each other and with our listening audience as Ex well. Exactly. So with heartfelt gratitude, I'm Sandra. And I'm Chris. And we invite you to continue to look courageously and lovingly at what is. We want to thank all who've made this podcast a reality, including Wake Forest University School of Divinity for their financial and institutional support. For Sally Ann Morris, who composed our theme music, and for Toby Becker, who provided graphic design. Thanks to Eric Merle for his editing expertise, to Tom and Lynn Berner, who provided recording space, and to the narrative Enneagram and our mentors, Helen Palmer and Dr. David Daniels, its founders. And special thanks to all of our guests. We offer this podcast as a free resource for personal and spiritual growth. And in order to continue this work, we need your support. Please visit our website, heartoftheenneagram.com, to make a contribution and to purchase our companion book. In the days that lie ahead, may your mind be curious, your heart courageous, and your presence compassionate.